tremendous person. And to tell you the truth, her quitting her job or whatever the status is, going to uh, Thailand and then to uh, Saigon in Vietnam uh, to preach the gospel is so, so uh, courageous of her. Uh, <clears throat> Shelley undoubtedly has uh, a foundation of courage that, that exceeds the courage of a lot of people. Uh, quite often I've talked to Shelley and she seemed to be shaking inside, but she just goes right ahead and, and does what she feels that God wants her to do. Maybe she inherited this from her mom. It's good to have her mom here uh, by her side. God is just so, so, so wonderful. Brother Billy Cole right now is in Ethiopia preaching his crusade. Last year in this country alone, in I don't know how many nights, but just a matter of nights, over 30,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost Two weeks within a two-week period. Over 18,000 people were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I certainly do appreciate that. Brother Cole's expecting an even greater uh, revival. Our foreign missions constituency has reached past one million now. God has been moving. There is a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost on foreign soil. I really don't know uh, that much about the status of, of Vietnam as far as the political uh, situation right now. I think we do have with us a couple, uh, Hoa and Dan Lu, that are here that's been teaching... Uh, uh, Shelly Vietnamese and it's good to have them here raise your hand if you would alright, alright, right here okay it's so good to have you with us and we're so glad that you've taken of your precious time to teach a lady of our congregation this language now I don't know how much she knows about uh, uh, Vietnamese a little bit okay can, can you stand up, Shelley? Can you say something in Vietnamese? Can you t can you talk in Vietnamese? Yeah. She knows more than you do. All right. <laughs> yeah. You ha you have to come on up here, Shelley. You got to do this. Come on now. <clears throat> All right. Just say it all over again. Lai chua an chi, toi se a diden Vietnam va Cambodia, toi muan camun sua jup da kua an chi. And if I pronounced it correctly, I said, "Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. I am going to Vietnam and Cambodia, and I want to thank you for your assistance." All right. <clears throat> Praise God. Isn't that great? Now, I don't know if she said it right or not, but I'm sure we have someone here that knows. Did she say this right? She did pretty good, huh? All right. I knew she was saying something about chewing on something. And <laughs> Praise God. And we're so glad that uh, you as a congregation, that you have... Uh, <clears throat> Pledge to support uh, Shelley. Uh, Brad and Michelle are here. They're way in the back. You want to move up here? Come on up closer, uh, Brad and Michelle. Brad and Michelle are supporting Shelley. It's good to have them here, isn't it? I'll tell you. Michelle walked in here two or three weeks ago and so slim. and She was always teasing me. She came up to me and... Made some dig about my size, and that time she was expecting, I, I said, uh, come on, I'm not going to embarrass you so much. Get up here. <clears throat> I said, well, look, we're about the same size. She said, well, the difference is mine is temporary and yours is permanent. <clears throat> 
I always have to have a good comeback, you know. I said, well, since I've known you, yours has been pretty permanent. <laughs> good to have them with us. I have uh, Shelley's budget, and we agreed to pay her plane fare, round-trip ticket, uh, from Madison to Thailand, $1,252.45, and we were able to give her that check. Now, most of you pledged. We did not have the money in our missions account for this. We hadn't come in yet, but if you did make this pledge, we'd certainly like for you to turn in your money as soon as you can. <coughs> then, of course, there's a plane fare of $480. Uh, that's one flight to Saigon. I don't know if that's a round trip or not. I hope it is. But uh, $480, and I think our pledges were 1600 and 1800 and something. So we will be able to take care of Shelley's plane fare, and it gives us a, a great sense uh, of pleasure, Shelley, to be able to do this for you. And, of course, her mom is here, and I think her mom is helping her. Uh, uh, Brad and Michelle are here. They've helped her. A good number of other people have helped her and will be helping her. Uh, I personally counsel with her about this. I, I would not like to see Shelly use every last dime that she has on making the trip. She's going to come back. She'll be broke. Uh, <clears throat> Shelly has been uh, very wise and... Uh, I would say just maybe a little bit frugal even in the handling of her funds, saving for this trip. She's been saving for this for, for some time. And we certainly count it such, a, such an honor not only to send her forth from this congregation, but to also be a part of the trip. We are a part of the trip simply because that we are a part of Shelley. She's a part of the body of Christ here at Calvary Gospel Church. We are also a part of the trip because we put our prayers into it. And we will be praying for you daily. We want you to know this, that every day that you are gone, we will be praying for you. We not only want God to keep His hand upon you and that you will have a very safe trip there and a safe return, uh, but that you will be able to win many souls while you're there. And then, of course, we will be a part of this because we are helping to finance a part of it. I trust and pray that our sacrifice with our giving will be equivalent to our sacrifice of prayer, fasting, and such. It is so necessary that when someone goes forth from the body of Christ that they have a good, solid group of supporters, people who are praying and seeking the Lord. Now, this is not the only time we've been involved in a situation like this. Brother and Sister O'Neill went to Germany for 18 months back uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, we certainly do appreciate the O'Neills. Brother O'Neill personally called me many times. Uh, he was going through a little trial, and one time I think he called me three times in one day. I said, we might as well just talk all day long here. But uh, we just had a great time. We were able to help the O'Neills. The O'Neills came back. They moved back to Madison, went to Florida. He evangelized some, then came back. And, of course, he is pastoring on the west side of Madison now, a church that Calvary Gospel Church planted, in which we were responsible for the starting of this church. What I'd like to do, and I know Shelley has already talked to you, I'd like to have Shelley to come, if she would, and stand behind the pulpit. She was a little hesitant to stand up there. I told her, I said, now, Shelley, you're going to be standing behind the pulpit. Before I minister tonight, we're going to go ahead and commission her so that we will, can give everyone an invitation to come and pray after the preaching. But, Shelley, I'd like for you to come, if you would, and I'd like for all of you to stand. We want to respect this great woman of God, just like we would any of our missionaries that would go, it is so very, very important, and I'd like for Shelley to come at this time.
Your bed. Praise God. Um, Talk into the mic. Hi. Um, I uh, am really thankful to be going to Vietnam. It's something that I have desired to do for five years. And uh, God really did make a way for me where there literally was no way for me to go. He qualified me to the extent that I am now. And he's really helped me. I want to thank you for helping me to go. And I especially want to thank Brother and Sister Grant, who I have always appreciated and respected. Brother Grant has always had a way of, when I go in there, he just kind of almost laughs, and it just makes me feel like whatever I'm going through is probably not that big a deal. And I'm real thankful for that. And <laughs> um, I want to also thank Melissa Townsend, to my knowledge, there is no one that has ever prayed for me as much as Melissa, and I am going to miss her a lot, and I'm going to miss all of you. And uh, I'm just real thankful. I'm thankful for Wa and Dan, who have helped me. Not only has he helped me with the language, they've taught me a lot about culture, customs, and helped me to try to be prepared. And uh, I just, I guess I just really want to thank everyone. I want to thank the Lord for... Uh, everything he's done in my life. And uh, I'll be praying for you all, and I really appreciate all the people that have said they're going to pray for me. It means an awful lot. Thanks. Just stay up here if you would, Sharon. And what I'd like to do before we call our ministers and elders to the front, I'd like for us to bow our heads. We're going to take our prayer and fasting this week. We will be praying and fasting for Shelley, for her trip, for her burden, and, of course, for her tenure there uh, overseas. So, with your heads bowed, who would like to fast and pray Monday? Would you raise your hands? All right. She'll be flying out in the morning at 6.32 on United Airlines. So, let's pray. All right. What about Tuesday? We have people who will fast and pray Tuesday or hands are raised. What about Wednesday? All right. More hands are raised. Thursday, good number of hands all right, Friday, all right, and Saturday, all right, a few hands, and then Sunday, all right, and thank you so very, very much. And what we'd like for Shelly to do, if she would, is just come and stand down at the front, and if she feels more comfortable with uh, maybe some of her prayer partners or some of her guests with her, we'd like for her to call them here. We'd like for our ministers and elders to come. And we're going to lay hands upon her. We're going to anoint her with oil and commission her. Praise God. So would the elders come? Uh, would you choose to have someone with you, shall we? All right, Melissa. Where is Melissa? Melissa has been such a great supporter to Shelley. Here comes Melissa. All right. Okay. When Melissa gets here by her side, then I'd like for Sister Manley, if she would, Sister Grant, and then our minister's wives to come. Elders' wives, would you come? Okay, and just stand by her, and, and let's just believe that God's going to come and anoint her mightily with the Holy Ghost. As we go down, would you begin to pray right now? Would you do that? <clears throat>
Now all over the building, let's lift our hands and magnify the Lord. Isn't He wonderful? Oh, praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. God, You are indeed so good and so wonderful. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, let's give the Lord a big hand. He is our Savior. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. And may God mightily, mightily rest upon you, shall He? Praise God. While you're standing, turn with me to Matthew, the 8th chapter. And we're going to talk about Jesus as He stills the waves. There seems to be such a storm going on in our world today. It involves the powers of darkness against the powers of righteousness. Today in our paper there was a big one-page advertisement about things that are shown on television and movies and such. Do you see that? You'd take it and read it. Brother Sannon brought it to me, and he will be putting it out on the bulletin board. About a month ago there was a lot of concern manifested. Of course, our attitude is this. Well, this is America. We can watch what we want to watch. This is America. We can do what we want to do. The whole problem with that philosophy is that if God does not favor it, you won't do it too long because you won't be free enough to do it. That's the problem. It appears according to the Scripture that every nation receives the government that they deserve. Now you think about that. And if we will be responsible people, we can hold back the forces of evil. One of the greatest tragedies of our land today is that moral issues are being decided by politicians and not by Christians and church leaders. <clears throat> so there is a storm that's going on. I'm going to title this message, Save Us, Lord, for We Perish. Verse 23 of Matthew 8, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. It's always good to follow Jesus, isn't it? Always good. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Have you ever followed Jesus someplace? You knew God said, do this, and you followed him. And you felt like he fell asleep on you? <coughs> Praise God. And his disciples came to him and woke and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What matter of man? is this, that even the winds and the sea obey Him. And you may be seated. Of course, we know that Jesus, even though He was man, He was more than just a man. He was more than just a man. And we have over to my left and to your right, Part of a sign that we have on the wall that said, Son of Man, that's the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost, Luke 19.10. And I think that all of us can say, the only Redeemer, the only Savior is Jesus Christ. I made this statement last weekend in reference to, to cults that are in our land the situation in Waco where an individual is claiming that he is Christ, one of the signs of the last days, is that, <clears throat> that uh, many shall say that I am Christ and shall deceive 
And so this, this is happening. I did a study on cults about probably 10, maybe 12 years ago. And after viewing some films, we did not have a lot of videos then that you could check out. Like our library now, you can check out a lot of educational videos. But I viewed some films. I think there were 35 millimeter films. 16 millimeter, I guess they were. Uh, in viewing those, uh, come to this conclusion that uh, most cults are defined as cults when Jesus Christ is far from the center of their affection. And most uh, men who have looked into cults, they have made this statement that the first thing that they do is they try to figure out what part Jesus Christ plays in their philosophy. And when we figure out what part he plays, we have found that the further from the center that Jesus Christ is located, the more likely that this group will be involved in something that is far off base as it relates to Christianity. And of course, for an individual to rise up and say that I am Christ, he's pretty much kicked the Lord out the back door. You know, or, or open a trap door and let him fall through. That he's just not a part of it. And of course, Jesus Christ said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were this world, then would my servants fight? I think it is so sad that Surrounding some abortion clinics or people that want to be violent. I do not agree with abortion, but I will tell you this. I see very little difference when people say that if you take a child's life, you're murdering, then pull out a gun and shoot somebody. <laughs> you know, it, uh, <clears throat> that's, that's, quite a, uh, that's, that's quite a contradiction, isn't it? But nevertheless, those things do happen. Because people get so far off base. We must keep Jesus Christ in the center of our structure. <coughs> You'll have to forgive me. I've just got a, a real sore throat. We've been building a house. I started this house. Uh, my plan was to get the shell of it constructed, get it all inside, and then Sister Grant and I would finish the inside. And, of course, with a lot of help from... Uh, campus students and and uh, drywallers and plumbers and uh, various individuals of our congregation, you have helped me. Our house is very, very simple on the outside, but not so simple inside. I've got a lot of different angles and, and such. And uh, <clears throat> I told someone, I said, well, finishing this house is kind of like my golf game. Somebody asked me, he said, how's your golf game going? I said, well, the only way I can get worse is to play more. Because it seems like the more I play, the worse my game gets. So about three weeks ago, I thought I had about three months more work on the house, and I worked three weeks, and then I realized I had about four months left. <clears throat> so I've just had so many aches and pains and such. I try, by the help of the Lord, not to allow this to interfere with situations in the church that need to be taken care of. And at the same time, I try to appear alert and alive and spry. And I got new glasses. I don't know if you noticed this or not. My, I can see everything appears a lot bigger, even some of you. You know, so <clears throat> I have to make that dig every now and then, you know, because people... People do that to me, but I got new glasses, and I can see all the way to the back. I can even see the clock on the back wall. Uh, <clears throat> don't know that it makes any difference, but nevertheless, I can see it. <clears throat> I I just uh, got home last night. I told this this morning. I was, I was so tired, and I said, "Oh God, you know, just you just feel like you just need the Lord every day, every hour." I said, "I'm so tired." And uh, wife and I just had to make one more trip, and I, my ankle that I have arthritis in was hurting so bad, and I put a pair of boots on, uh, my most comfortable pair, and 
They just they were hurting so bad and things were going so bad I couldn't find the comb to comb my hair with and I just wanted to sit down and cry. I told Sister Grant, I said, you know, I can't find my comb and my foot's hurting. I just don't think I can make this trip. But Well, my foot just kept on hurting and I thought, well, there's got to be something wrong with my foot. I'm going to take my shoe off and rub it. I took my shoe off and found out my comb was inside of my boot. <laughs> my, 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 what an exciting life. <clears throat> 36 years old. I don't know. 36, uh, when I was 36 years old, I thought, man, I, I can just about do anything. I was running races with the young people, Brother Manley, and, and uh, I'm not trying to make any comparison, you know, just uh, <clears throat> trying to show you what, what life is, uh, is all about. <clears throat> Sister Diane Nelson, I don't know, Tom and Diane are not here. Tom's mother died this past week. We're certainly sorry to, about that. They had a little family situation that they had to go and, and uh, be involved in tonight. Diane had her birthday this past week. She said, well, I've joined your club, Brother Grant, yours and Tom's. Uh, Richie's. Richie was nearby. That's what she said. And she said, I'm 4 old." Boy, she was so thrilled. I said, well, you know what's going to happen next? Uh, gray hair is going to start appearing. And I was about ready to, when, when I finished that story, rather, she was about ready to back out of being 40. She thought it was so great to be 40. You know, it's just, uh, it's, it's amazing how God has allowed the planet Earth to deteriorate and go down to the grave. But that's the way it is. All of us are fighting and struggling, and the older we get, it seems that the struggle gets greater and greater and greater. I've joined the Three B's Club a long time, baldness, bifocals, and bulges. And <clears throat> it, uh, it just seems like that, that this, this world of ours is becoming more complex and more complex. And as convenience has come along, we have little or no time for anything. When I was a kid, uh, I remember when we got our first washing machine. I remember when electricity was run to our house. Somebody, some old-timer in Wisconsin said, where in the world did you grow up? <laughs> well, it happened to be in the piney woods of East Texas. And uh, I remember the, the electrical poles were first run out to, to our part of the country. And my grandfather and grandmother, they just, uh, I was probably a teenager or near a teenager when they got electricity down there. My, you know, it just... Uh, uh, I stayed home every Tuesday was wash day for about an hour and drew the water out of the well and put it in a big wash pot and we actually made our own soap. Uh, if you, it was lye soap. It would t certainly take all the stains out of your clothes and your hands and you wash with the soap a little while and your hands get real slimy. I thought the stuff was slimy. I realized later when I took chemistry what was happening, it was eating my skin. My skin was getting... <laughs> Uh, that's the reason why my hands always look so nice and white, even if you worked in the field. You needed all that when you were digging potatoes by hand and things like that. But it seems like we had a lot of time for God. I, I can't hardly understand that. The first church that I pastored, nobody ever got up and went to the telephone. The first church that I pastored, nobody ever got up and went to the restroom. first church that I pastored, nobody ever went up and got up and went to the drinking fountain. The reason why, we didn't have a restroom, we didn't have a telephone, we didn't have a drinking fountain. <clears throat> but you know, we had time for God. And it's amazing to me how many people are like these disciples out on life's sea, and they realize that they are involved in a storm, and, and the, the, first, the first thing that happens, they panic. Oh God, what are we going to do? We're going to perish. And that's what these people did. That's what these disciples did. Now, <clears throat> for some unknown reason, the disciples must have forgotten who Jesus Christ was. 
they must have forgotten what Jesus Christ even said prior to them going over. Now, it's not mentioned here in Matthew 8, but it is mentioned in the other, the other Gospels, in Mark the 4th chapter and Mark Luke the 8th chapter. It is mentioned when Jesus talked to them about making the journey, this is what he said, let us go over to the other side. They obviously forgot what he promised, and they forgot what he, who he was. We have been studying somewhat about the deity of the Lord. It was just a, I, I thought it was just a great thing how that we had our Bible study on Thursday night where the man has been teaching in Christian stewardship about the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Brother Showalter comes along on Sunday morning and preaches about the deity of the Lord, not knowing that we had even been stressing this. And he did such a great message. Then Brother Rutherford this morning talked about it. The word Jesus actually means Jehovah has become, or Jehovah is, salvation. Tonight, Brother Livingston will go down in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. This is a part of what we call the gospel. <clears throat> we will go into that here in just a few moments. Jesus is our Savior. There are scriptures in the Bible that deal with that. Let me just call your attention to a few of those that make reference to Jesus as being the Savior. 1 John 4:14, 4, 1 Peter 2:21 through 24, Acts 20:28, 20, Galatians 3:13, Luke 24 verse 21 through 29, Luke the second chapter verse 10 through 11, John the fourth chapter verse 40 through 42, Philippians 3:20. 1 Timothy 1, verse 1 through 3, 1 Timothy 4, 10, Titus 1, verse 1 through 4, Titus 2, verse 10 through 13, 1 Peter 1, 10 and 11, and Jude 25. These scriptures tell us that Jesus Christ is the Savior. And not only do they tell us that Jesus Christ is the Savior, the inference, if not the direct... Uh, Language is used that Jesus Christ is the only Savior. He is the only Savior. So if a person is wanting to escape from this life to forever be in the presence of God, he must go through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the door to the sheepfold. If a man climbeth up any other way, he is the same as a thief and a robber. And that's just the way it is. Salvation will not come by any other than Jesus. Now, these disciples being familiar with the language, they obviously knew that the word Jesus Christ meant Jehovah has become our salvation. So they must have known what His name really meant. Now, how does Jesus Christ save us? According to 1 Corinthians 15, I'd like for you to turn there if you would in your Bible. <clears throat> we find that the Apostle Paul is writing to, to the church, a Gentile church in Corinth. <coughs> he talks about the coming of the Lord. He also talks about the first resurrection. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Now notice he uses the word gospel. The word gospel comes from two Greek words, God's spell, which means the good news. Most of your Bibles, not all of them, but most of your Bibles in making references to the first four books of the New Testament, they are called the gospels. The gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Mark, the gospel according to Luke, and the gospel according to John. In other words, what they are saying, this is the good news that Jesus Christ has come into the world, and this is the good news about Him, according to Matthew. Because we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction in righteousness. So 
It's not just the gospel according to Matthew. Actually, Matthew wrote it according to what God wanted him to write. And Mark wrote it according to what God wanted him to write. Luke wrote it according to what God wanted him to write. And John wrote it according to what God wanted him to write. So it's not really the gospel according to John. It's the gospel written by John according to what God wanted him to write. But anyway, it contains the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the sense in which it's mentioned here, it only talks about a little brief segment of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of you are aware that Jesus Christ lived on this planet Earth only for 33 and just years and maybe a few months, whatever. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved. We are saved by the gospel. If ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Now Paul at one occasion said, Woe is me if I preach not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible also says concerning Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto the salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Shelley is going to make this trip to Vietnam. I'm thankful that Shelley has not only uh, obeyed the gospel, but she is willing to go and preach the gospel. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Paul says, I don't preach something that I have not received. He said, I have received the gospel. Now, we must just stop here and just call your attention to something This is not just a story that's told around Easter time, and we're entering into that season, but it's something that men receive. The gospel is not just a good news story that is told, but it is a good news experience, something that you can have and know and share. It can be your very own. Now, in verse 4, this is what he says, "...and that he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the Scriptures." that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remaineth unto the present, but some are fallen to sleep. Then, of course, he talks about the apostles, and then last he said he was seen of me also as one born out of due season. Now, basically what Paul is saying, though, when it comes to the gospel, he talks about one little segment of his life consisting of three days and three nights. Jesus gave this to the wicked generation. He said, a wicked and adulterous generation seek for a sign. He said, I will show you no sign except the sign of Jonas or Jonah, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus Christ's body was nailed to the cross. And after he had died, a Roman soldier put a spear in his side, and from his side flowed both blood and water. Now the church is considered in the Bible as the body of Christ. It is also considered the bride of Christ. Just as Adam went to sleep, God caused a deep sleep to fall upon him, the first man that God created and took a rib from his side and made a woman. Also from the side of the second man, Adam, Jesus Christ, according to the book of Romans, was the second man, Adam. The Bible says that a deep sleep came upon him, and out of his side flowed both blood and water, and it was with that precious blood that the New Testament church, or the bride of Christ, was purchased. Now this is what Paul is is stressing. Out of his 33 years, you take three days and three nights, and we have this condensed story. Everything that Jesus Christ was born for, everything that he lived for, and everything that he died for takes place and is focused in on those three days and three nights. So here Jesus Christ dies, Jesus Christ was buried, and then Jesus Christ arose again. Now, Paul said, this is not something that you just talk about. He said, you're saved by keeping it in memory. But he says, 
Now, we have all experienced this. How do we experience the gospel? A very, very simple thing is found in the Scripture, and it's called the plan of salvation. It was not intended to be anything difficult, anything hard to understand, but the plan of salvation simply means a plan that you can participate in that offers you salvation. And salvation is what? Is who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is salvation. One minister wanted to debate with me one time. I don't really care for debates, but this man just kept calling me and kept calling me and, and kept challenging me. And he said, I want to talk to you about the plan of salvation. And so finally I agreed that we would talk and, and we gathered in the living room of a, uh, of a lady uh, who had a, uh, come to our church, who was a, <coughs> a former member of his church. She had uh, come to our church. That was what the, the whole thing was about. And so right away we agreed upon some rules concerning our discussion. And uh, he was to ask me a question. First, the, the people who had gathered there that he had invited, they were to ask a question to him, ask me a question. He could respond to my answer. I could respond to his. And then, of course, they could ask questions and so forth. We agreed on a time limit. The very first question asked was, what is salvation? And of course, the pastor who had set this up, he had the first answer. So he said, salvation is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I was asked, what is salvation? I said, salvation is Jesus Christ. Well, <coughs> right away, <coughs> this man wanted to ask a question. And, uh, well, a congregation asked a question. I forget what it was, but it was uh, not, not really pinpointed to the situation. But then the pastor asked me the question. He said, why did you say that salvation is Jesus Christ? I said, well, if salvation is believing on Jesus Christ, believing is something that I do, which obviously means that salvation is by works. But salvation is not anything I do. Now it is necessary for me to do this in order for me to acquire salvation. But what I do is separate and apart from salvation. I cannot save myself. And it is not my believing that is salvation. It may be my believing that brings about salvation, but salvation is nothing more or nothing less than Jesus Christ. His name shall be called Jesus, for He shall save His people from their sins. Salvation is Jesus Christ. Now that's necessary for you to understand. Now Jesus Christ died on the cross, Jesus Christ was buried, and Jesus Christ was resurrected. Now, this is the gospel. Now, when the apostles went and preached that gospel, when they preached the message of salvation to man and the plan of salvation, it is clearly understood in the Scripture what they were making reference to. In Acts, the second chapter, when the church was born, on the day of Pentecost, the Scripture starts out by saying, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them clothing tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Just the other day, I was privileged to talk to an individual, and I asked this individual, how would you like to receive an experience exactly the way they received it at the birth of the church in Acts, the second chapter? I meant something that removes all doubt from your mind. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have received a valid Bible experience. You can go to the Bible and you can say, here it is, this is what happened to me, I experienced it for myself. Praise God. Now that's very important. I, I wouldn't want anyone, of course we have guests here tonight, and 
some people that are guests <coughs> by special invitation. I would not want to take advantage of you. Please understand that. So whenever I mention some things about churches, I do not do this in any derogatory sense. But I, I remember sitting with some ministers and we were talking about salvation. And so I just asked a couple of men. I said, well, uh, uh, what do you have to do to be saved? And uh, a couple of the ministers, they uh, just kind of looked at each other and said, well, it, it all depends. I said, well, it all depends on what? Well, I said, we're all sinners and we need to be saved. I said, well, I understand that. We're all sinners and we need to be saved. We're all in sin and come short of the glory of God. But when we say we're all sinners and we need to be saved, what do we mean? What do we do? Well, I'm not, uh, I'm not just for sure. I guess maybe, you know, we, uh, we have, uh, you know, uh, confirmation and... And, uh, well, uh, we baptize, and, and uh, well, we, we make confession. And, uh, but if someone walked up to you and asked you, what should I do to be saved, what would you tell him? And I was amazed. I was not able to define the gospel. Basically, that's what it boils down to. In the Bible you will find that people did go to the apostles. We can show you references where they went to the apostles and asked what they needed to do. The apostles did not hem-haw around about it. They didn't beat around the bush. They came right down to the point and they told people what they needed to do. Now in Acts the second chapter when the Holy Ghost was first poured out, a great number of people were in Jerusalem for to worship for this was the Feast of Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost took place 50 days after the Passover. Now, we're considered Pentecostal. This is something that's just been tagged to us by a lot of people in the world. It just simply means that, that the word 50th really doesn't mean much uh, other than uh, that's pretty close to my age. But, <coughs> but uh, people say, well... Uh, these people worship just like they did in Acts the second chapter on the day of Pentecost. Around the turn of the century, a lot of Pentecostals began to to grow and flourish, and and Pentecostalism began to become a very dominant uh, factor in the religious world in many areas, and and it seems like the the, the church world started calling. Pentecostals, they, they act just like they did in, in the Bible. Well, praise God. I mean, what's wrong with that? Hallelujah. I mean, at least we can go back and find where we, where ours started. You know, some people can't do that. They have no earthly idea why they do certain things. It's just tradition or it was handed down or basically that's the way it is. I don't really know, but it's always been that way and that's the way it's going to be. But... Thank the Lord that you can go back to the book. You see, brothers and sisters, the Bible is the manual of life. It's God's Word to mankind today. It's, it's everything that we need. Praise God. I, I even tell parents, if, you, if you're having problems with your children, read the Bible. If you're having problems with neighbors, read the Bible. If you have questions about moral issues and such, read the Bible. The Bible is the manual of life. It contains what you need to make it through these stormy seas. Your tenure on the earth may be stormy, but there is a Savior that told you, let's go over to the other side. There is a Jesus that promised to be with you always even to the end of the world. Well, after they began to speak with other tongues and praise the Lord, the Bible tells us that in verse 12, they were all amazed, that is the people who were looking, and some were in doubt, <coughs> saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others, the Bible says, mocking said, these men are full of new wine. In other words, I've never seen such a, an outburst of, uh, of, of nothing you know, they just act like they just, they've just gone crazy almost. They said they were drunk. These men, are they've just been drinking too much. 
But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now listen to this. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And upon my servants and upon my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. Then Peter begins to talk about Jesus Christ, who he was. In verse 22, the Bible says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourself also know. He starts to talk about what is contained in the Gospels. <clears throat> and I'll tell you what, when you read those stories of how Jesus Christ came to people who were in the very storms of life, and how that Jesus Christ calmed the storms of life for them. Blind Bartimaeus, a man who had been blind from birth, how that Jesus Christ took and healed him. How Jesus Christ took ten lepers, lepers who were separated from their families, lepers who had no hope, lepers who had to constantly cry out unclean and live outside of the gates of the city. Jesus Christ cleansed those people. Jesus Christ came by a man who was wanting to get into the pool of Bethesda that he might be healed because one time every year an angel came and troubled the water, but he was so crippled nobody could put him in. But Jesus did not have to wait for the troubled waters. When he came upon the scene, my friend, anything could happen. And Jesus Christ looked down at this man who was waiting on an angel and took and healed this man. Oh, praise God. Jesus Christ upon one occasion sped upon the ground and took and rolled the spit, spittle into, into clay and, and touched the man's eyes. And the man could see. Listen, that's good news. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ came? But more than anybody needs a healing. Man needs salvation. He needs deliverance because every man is a sinner. I've met some people who were in good health. We have people in our congregation who are in good health. I remember talking to Brother George Juno about seven years ago, and he said, Brother Grant, all my life I never remember missing one day of work because of sickness. Now, I seem to not be that way, seriously. I seem to catch every bug that comes around and always uh, trying to recover and always on the men's and I've prayed and fasted and sought the Lord. But I know this one thing, my friend. There was a healing that occurred one time in my life. Actually, I was sick with a stomach ulcer. In 1961, I had a bleeding ulcer, and I lost down to less than 120 pounds. Now, you may have to use your imagination to visualize that, but I, I, was, I, was, I was so skinny I only had one side. You know, I just... I mean to tell you, I'd lost a lot of weight. And I, I was in a church service, and I heard the preacher say that Jesus can make you whole. Now, you talk about good news. And I came down to the front, and I knelt at an altar. Our missionary, Will Hoyt, was the visiting evangelist of that church, Johnny Will Hoyt. And when I got down, and he got down beside me and started talking to me, and I told him I was sick. I had an ulcer. He told me Jesus could heal me. But he said, let me tell you something, John. More than you need a healing, you need to be saved. I started praying and crying, seeking God. People gathered around me, and at the conclusion of that service, the Lord filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Just like in the book of Acts, I spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. It was just a great, great time. But I also believe that Jesus Christ would heal me, and I believe that He had healed me. 
And would you believe that very day in the presence of many witnesses, <laughs> like in 1 Corinthians 15, <laughs> in the presence of many witnesses, I eat Texas barbecue chicken. I'm telling you, and I, I ate that, and it didn't bother me one bit, and I have been eating it ever since. I mean, totally healed. <clears throat> I was going to the doctor very often. In fact, I was spending a lot of money on drugs. My thermos bottle, I could not drink coffee. My thermos bottle was filled up every day with medicine. That's all I could drink. I'd take a sandwich, just dry meat and bread, and pour that full of medicine and drink that with that food. I, I, I was just sick. I never went back to the doctor for my stomach. Never went back. I just went in and poured all my medicine out. I knew I was healed. I just, I ate that barbecue chicken. I felt so good, and I'll tell you, I just continued to eat and, and enjoy life and praise God. I'll tell you, God was so good to me. He was so good to me. Well, Peter's preaching about Jesus Christ and about all the things that he did. Then he goes on to say, him being delivered. Verse 20. I've lost this, but at any rate, he was crucified by wicked hands. And he goes on to say that, that Jesus Christ was the Lord of glory, according to... Verse 33, verse 34. Now, after they heard all of this, the Bible says that they were pricked in their hearts. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? This is verse 37. Now, <clears throat> I'm sure that Peter looked around and conferred with his brethren and said, What are we supposed to tell people to do to be saved? Now, you've got to keep in mind, this was the birth of the church. You see, the Holy Ghost had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. That is, prior to this day. Jesus said that with his own mouth in John 7. But Peter had the revelation of who Jesus was, that he was the Savior. And this is what he said. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. For the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children. To all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now let me just explain something. Without going into a lot of scripture. And if you have any questions about this. I'd be glad to talk with you. Jesus Christ died. He was buried. And he arose again. Paul says, we are saved by that gospel. Now, Jesus Christ died so that I could die as a sinner. Now, that doesn't mean that I go out and shoot myself or have someone to shoot me. But that means that I can kill this old sinful nature through repentance. When he was here, he said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. This is why Paul then said that we are nailed to the cross with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the old man of sin is crucified in repentance. And Jesus made it possible because he died upon the cross. And just as they took his lifeless body and they buried him in a tomb, baptism according to Scripture, is our association with the burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and so the whole lifeless me that's been killed and crucified through repentance can be buried in water in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. This is so beautifully explained in Galatians 3 and Romans 6 and various other scriptures in the New Testament. And then after Jesus Christ was in the tomb for three days and three nights, 
out of that tomb came forth a body full of life, a resurrected Christ. <coughs> and His resurrection made it possible for me to receive that same power inside of me, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The same Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead, Paul says, if it dwell in your mortal bodies, it shall also quicken you in the day of the Lord. I'm here to tell you that we are saved by Jesus Christ. And every man can truthfully say, Lord, save us or we perish, because you cannot be saved without the gospel, without Jesus Christ. Praise God. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ came into this world and that he bled and died and suffered just for me. I'd like for you to stand with me at this time, if you would. We want Sister Wittenbach to come. <coughs> she has a beautiful song. I know I have you standing right now. But what I'd like for you to do, I'd like all over the congregation, if you would, to just join hands, if you would, someone near you. Now, Jesus told those disciples, He said, O ye of little faith. Now, why did Jesus tell them, O ye of little faith? Why did He rebuke them when there was a storm? Because the setting is like this. Jesus walks up to the sea. He looks at the sea and He looks at the ship. And this is what He said. Let's go over to the other side. In other words, he promised that they could make it. He didn't say it'll be smooth sailing. He didn't say anything about the trip other than let's go over to the other side. And here we all are caught on life's sea. And we wonder, can we make it over? You know, the Bible tells us the book of Revelation, to whomsoever will, will I grant to sit with me in my throne. To whomsoever will, he shall come and drink of the waters of life freely. If you want to go to heaven, you can go. And Jesus has prepared. And as Paul's told those Grecians on Mars Hill, he is not far from every one of you. Do you know that Jesus Christ is in ship with you? Praise God. Now, you're holding hands to the person near you. I'd like for you to bow your heads as Sister Wittenbach begins to sing. And if there's one person in this congregation that would like to step out, why don't you just look at the person near you and say, would you go pray with me? Or perhaps you'd like to look at the person near you if you feel that that person needs to pray and invite them to come and kneel and pray tonight. Come. Jesus, save us, lest we perish. God bless these children. So many people are coming. Come on. Nobody else but Jesus could share my misery. 
That's it. Let's continue to come. There's still enough room for you to pray. Oh, thank God. Continue to sing, Sister Wittenbach. Invite someone to come and pray. Would you do that? And when you have to cross Death's river He will be there Oh, yes, Lord. No one could be a friend So true Oh, yes. There's still room for you to come and pray and surrender your life to the Lord. That's it. Step right out and come and kneel. Somebody will pray with you. but Jesus. Now what I'd like for the rest of you to do if you'd like to be seated and just lean forward in a little bit, perhaps even use the seat in front of you and pray. Thank you for coming tonight. For our guests who are here, after you have prayed, you may consider yourself dismissed. But God bless you so much. We will be baptizing Brother Livingston If you'd like to observe this, you're certainly welcome to stay. Praise God. God is so good.